The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Hello and welcome to Squawkbox. Here are your headlines today. Wall Street gains in the final session of a tough month. Investors bake in another Fed hold, but watch Chair Jerome Powell closely for signals of a possible December hike. Before that, the US Treasury takes center stage, set to announce its quarterly refunding process, with yields on the 10-year at a 16-year high. A private survey showing that Chinese factory activity fell into contraction territory in October, compounding official data and underlining the challenges facing Beijing's stimulus program. Corporate leaders and global policymakers gather in the UK for the inaugural AI Safety Summit. The CEO of Google DeepMind tells CNBC governments should work together in fostering a safe framework. We're still all trying to understand better what these technologies are going to do and what the limits of them are and what the potential of them is. So I think for now, um, I think we should try and engage with everyone who wants to engage. Joining us today. Good morning, Arabile, around the set this morning. Yeah, are we mm-hmm. doing you well? Yeah. We just took a, a little time off just to relax a little bit. But nonetheless, back into it, a lot really happening. I suppose markets, yeah, yeah. FOMC, obviously going to be quite key and significant to that. I, I, I wonder if, and, and listening to some commentary, people have actually even said that they wouldn't be surprised that the Fed is done, but would be surprised if the Fed says they're done. Trying to keep their options open, of course, because... Ultimately, you could see inflation still pick up a little bit and re-accelerate if yeah. that were to be the case. And ghost schools, witches, all out there in the marketplace, not talking about Halloween. <laughs> but uh, I think the market's looking at this Treasury issue and story very, very closely for yeah. signs about the leverage in the U.S. debt uh, position. And they're also looking at what the implications are for market activity. We've got that 10-year yield that, again, starts to test that 5% mark, what it means yeah. when it comes to the equity picture. But let's just get into the Fed because there's a lot that we're watching here on the data and the signaling front. Now, the U.S. Federal Reserve is expected to hold interest rates for a second meeting in a row today. Policymakers are likely, though, to leave the door open for more tightening in December. Chair Jerome Powell has signalled that the committee will evaluate the impact of past rate hikes on the economy before making a decision about future tightening. Investors are also watching out for any change in the central bank's guidance, given a recent surge in U.S. Treasury yields. The U.S. Treasury's quarterly refunding process is in focus today. The department announced on Monday that it is set to issue $776 million worth of new bonds in the fourth quarter. That should be billion of new bonds in the fourth quarter, with bond investors now awaiting clarity on what the composition of the debt will look like. The yield on the benchmark 10-year bond has risen to its highest level in 16 years. Let's continue with that yield story, right? And this has been fairly interesting. The inversion uh, curve really has been the one to kind of signal that recession. And yes, we haven't had one yet out of the United States, but clearly the signs are still there that it is very much possible. In fact, we had seen the inversion yield curve between the two-year and the 10-year drop off to around 11 that 11 basis points, that is, that was initially the smallest uh, it had been since at least July 2022, so last year. But now it's gone back up to around 17. So it kind of gives you a clear sense then that things aren't 
necessarily uh, done away with when it comes to the recessionary front. Also quite interesting that it hasn't been because the two-year has been falling or the lower end of the spectrum has been falling, but really because the 10-year note or the higher parts of that yield curve have actually been rising a lot quicker than the bottom end of the spectrum. So very interesting to look at. Does the 10-year go back to test that 5% mark? We'll certainly see for now 4.90 is where we are, uh, having seen it spike up ahead, of course, of the Fed's decision uh, later as well. U.S. markets then, well, we saw the market then manage to close out in some positivity, but it has been a torrid uh, three months. And we'll really zone in on a lot of uh, what has happened across the board there. All 11 sectors in, uh, in positive yesterday's session. Uh, real estate leading that uptick up around 2% overall. Investors, of course, looking ahead. Uh, to the Fed meeting, but also that mixed batch of earnings. The likes of AMD having come out with their numbers yesterday. A little bit of a disappointment in some aspects, but actually uh, offering out some sense of an outlook that will see them perhaps push things up a little bit. In fact, they're seeing forecasting of $2 billion in sales in 2024. So where we at then when it comes to the futures, this is pretty much uh, how we're anticipating ourselves right now. We're a little red as we start off the uh, last, what is it now, the November month, should I say, actually. So into the red, we may begin to go. Uh, but it is still, of course, very early before that market even opens. So a countdown to year-end already. Some of the market commentators think uh, the chance of a year-end rally is fading at this stage. Uh, the numbers we've seen from earnings season, don't forget we're going to segue off that very absent news flow from the prior month in September, getting to the earnings in October, which should give us a market direction. And we got some, but it wasn't really the market direction that some had hoped for. It was down. And why did we go down? I think the market was looking at the guidance this time around. There's a note from S&P Global effectively saying, look, the earnings are okay. They're not great, but they're okay. If you look at the sales number, uh, you've got 78.2% uh, beat compared to historical two-thirds. Sales are also stronger than anticipated. New quarterly record set 3.93 trillion US dollars. So the earnings, the sales numbers, okay. But it's the guidance from here. And don't forget, we've had a lot of caution, again, for another reason. This around the geopolitics. A lot of the banks were signaling concerns around the Middle East conflict. If it spills out, a lot of businesses exposed to that part of the world and concerned about some other form of tightening taking place on top of all the other conditions we've already seen. So I think there is an element of concern just coming into this final stretch. Today is interesting, though because we've got this uh, meeting of the Fed and the Treasury Department uh, in tandem, just telling us about one of the key issues for markets, this tightness in the Treasury market, the tightness in funding costs. So I think that's still been one of the undercurrents, even though we've been looking at all the individual numbers, and there's been a lot of price discovery, particularly around European corporates on the back of numbers that they've been revealing. But I think the undercurrent is still the Fed and it's still the tightness of credit conditions. It, it certainly is, and you, you're so right, because it's, it's something we've been speaking about for a little while, just with regards to how long is, longer, is higher for longer going to last, because something could break. What could that be? Yes, you've got the jobs market still trudging along, but in terms of entities, as you've really just spoken about, those could be uh, attested quite, uh, quite a bit, actually. Now, November is usually seen, though, as still a fairly stronger month, 
than perhaps the last three we may have seen. Since 1950, November is usually the top month even for the S&P 500. On average, it's up around 1.7% in the month of November. So, I mean, averaging out, of course, over the years. So maybe we head off into um, the Santa rally, if you want to call it that, post-Halloween. very late, though, it doesn't does. it? it does Santa rally is very much uh, the, yeah. right around Christmas through to that New Year period. Yeah, so it, it's not actually December what, what right in November. What happens right now then? You know, do you, is it still just a case of evaluating because you have these higher rates that you're still worried. My other aspect of this is what happens to jobs? Yes, we still have them higher or still good right now, but really the top end of the S&P are the ones, or the mega caps really, are the ones who hire perhaps around 13, 14, 15 million. Whereas the rest of the market, your mid to lower cap, are the ones who actually hire even more people. And when they begin to get a few more vulnerabilities, as they could, uh, you know, really be hit by with rates staying higher for longer, does that mean you begin to see that become an even greater risk, the job market falling off, that is, in 2024 and towards the latter part yeah, of next the year? The part is we're not seeing that fatigue in the labour market just yet. And yeah. we had Randstad around the set yesterday talking about, again, that the labour market is still tight. We saw numbers that were crossing from the US yesterday, the Employment Costs Index, 1.1%. Uh, 1% was anticipated, which also was effectively showing us that uh, there was no cooling in the labour market in the third quarter as growth picked up. So where does this leave a lot of those corporates that have had the ability to cover higher costs for a while because of the margin expansion story? But you wonder whether that continues now and if they're not getting savings from the, the employment side, how do those margins look if they're still paying through the nose to try and keep the right workers on staff? Well, they're going to have to keep their nose up as much as possible, yeah. <laughs> just not to pay through it, I suppose, right? Well, nonetheless, our US colleagues will be speaking to Stanley Druckenmiller. Um, today, that's after the billionaire investor accused Janet Yellen of making, quote, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest blunder in Treasury history. Tune in to that interview. It's happening at 12 CET. Yeah, the big uh, Treasury story, all dominant, and uh, just whether the U.S. should have tackled its debt load by issuing more long-term debt. Uh, that's a big one, and I think market participants closely eyeing the dynamics still in that Treasury market. You saw over the course of October, it was an all-dominant theme, that rally in the yield. We got through 5% at one point during the trading month, and earnings, of course, hitting the tape. And uh, the wash-up, don't forget, bank earnings, tech earnings all crossing during this month. We were down almost 2.8% on the NASDAQ. The S S&P 500 reversed by 2.2% and 1.3% down the Dow. Got to say, it would have looked much worse by the last couple of sessions, which has rescued some of those downsized moves. To what we're seeing on the U.S. tech numbers, it was somewhat mixed across the board. There were some standouts. Netflix was certainly one of them, a 9% rally. Microsoft, too. And if you're looking for market leadership, this has been a market leader over a previous month, so 7% to the upside. So doing a U-turn, Amazon as well, 4.7% in the green. But other casualties uh, for the trading month of October, namely Tesla, all sorts of concerns, and particularly around the signaling from Panasonic lately about the demand story down 19%. Alphabet, uh, the parent company of Google down, and NVIDIA, the big AI winner, was actually one of the losers for the month of October. The U.S. banks 
Now, mounting concerns about those NIMS, what you're seeing in terms of appetite for debt and, of course, uh, very limited activity investment banking this year. The October numbers down across the board. Morgan Stanley, the worst hit, double-digit falls, 6% coming off Goldman Sachs, and JP Morgan down 4%. So a fairly sizable retreat taking place in those U.S. banks for the month. To that 10-year Treasury yield, let's take a look back at the journey that we had for October. I mentioned how important it was as we saw the market uh, watching the data crossing, but then also concerned about structural issues in that Treasury market. And if you can just flip over the charts, you can see what it looks like. Uh, we certainly got up to that 5% mark turn tail, tried to regroup and test it again. And then we haven't drifted too far off it, really, have we, as we sit just 10 basis points shy of that 5% mark. Let's get to Matt Orton, who is Chief Market Strategist, Raymond James Investment Management. Matt, uh, you've been listening to us uh, just wrap up and reflect back on October and cast forward for November, December. Just give us some, some idea of how you're thinking about the turn that we've got here from markets, concerned about the tightness of credit markets and that 10-year Treasury yield, but also a little bit disappointed in the guidance from companies. Yeah, good morning, Karen. Great to see you again. And I think that's the key question clients have been asking us. I, I've been traveling to see clients for the past couple of weeks, and really the biggest question that they have is, are we out of the woods yet? Have we seen the worst of, of the drawdowns of the market? Have we seen the worst of the just the relentless rise with respect to yields. And, and I think the setup is certainly looking a little more favorable. I, when you look at the data, earnings have actually been pretty good. Uh, earnings, excluding energy for the S&P 500, are up almost 8.5%. And what's most important to draw out of that is margins are coming in much better than expected. You know, The blended net profit margin for the S&P 500 is 12%. That's above where we were last year. And that's amid all of these inflationary challenges that, that we're facing. On the flip side that, that you were alluding to before is, is guidance has been muted. And I'm not surprised because we have geopolitical uncertainty. There's incredible volatility within the interest rate market that's weighing on CEO optimism. But I think we're seeing conservative guidance from companies. The, you know, the economic data continues to come in. And I think when you put all of that together, what it says to me is, it's important for selectivity on the part of investors. Uh, the rising tide is no longer going to lift all boats. And so I've been recommending that investors, no matter where you are globally, whether it's fixed income or in equities, you need to lean into quality. You need to lean into companies that are going to be able to weather higher real rates and be able to make investments without having to tap fixed income and bond markets right now. And you need to own earning strength. You need to own companies that are generating free cash flow. And that has been outperforming in this more difficult market. And I think it's going to continue to outperform into year end. It sounds like almost a defensive strategy, doesn't it, Matt? And we've heard a, a chorus of voices also calling investment in the bond market saying, look, the short bets have come off now. Market participants are suddenly revisiting some of the bond trades after the rut we've seen. And this is one of the investment plays as we, we look into year end. What do you think of the opportunity now of bonds versus equities? You know, for the first time, Karen, in 15 years, I can say I'm excited about fixed income. I think so many investors are preoccupied on, is the 10-year yield going to go 10, 15 basis points higher from where we are today? But if you're a long-term investor who needs income, these are some of the best levels that you have seen in such a long time. And I have been encouraging clients to take advantage of that. You don't need to back up the truck at these levels, but especially for those who are overweight cash, 
or overweight money market funds or lever to the short end of the curve, start thinking about locking in some of these rates over the longer term. And on top of that, when you think of high yield as well, high yield often gets this bad moniker of being junk, but, but not all high yield is junk. In fact, a lot of double B bonds within high yield are actually really, really high quality companies. And you're able to get a return of 9% or so. And the bulk of the rise in those rates is the risk-free rate having moved higher. So again, there's great opportunities, but it goes back to that notion of quality and selectivity that's going to matter. But I think this is a really good opportunity for longer-term investors to be building balanced portfolios to set themselves up well um, going forward. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for the time. It's Arubile here. I, I guess, you know, I, I look at a time like this and just think, look, we, we haven't had a recession yet. It doesn't mean, however, that that's not necessarily uh, going to be the case all the time. As you've said, the question is, are we out of the woods yet? Does the Fed just have to keep its options open here and just sit there and say, well, look, we ultimately are stuck between trying to decrease this inflationary picture and a strong real economy here. Do we just hold on? And, and is that the sentiment that they bring out as well later today? Just hold on. Yeah, that's a great point, Arabile, that, that the Fed's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And, and, and I think what we're going to get from them uh, later today is, is really just going to be that, that rates are on hold, but they're keeping optionality open is exactly as you said. I happen to think that we're done with rate hikes for the cycle. You know, data might be screaming that we should be doing a rate hike, but financial conditions have tightened so much that a lot of the work for the Fed has been done for it over the past couple of weeks. And on top of that, when you look at real 10-year yields, we almost got to 2.5% a week or so ago. That, that was the Fed's forecast and target for the end of 2024. So a lot of the hard work has already been done. And I think they don't want to tank the economy. They'd love to, to nail a, a soft landing, but they're dogmatic about that 2% inflation target. And so I think you're going to continue to see them say that, that we're data dependent, that uh, laying out the reasons for why they might have to re-engage with rate hikes, but continue to be on pause going forward. And I think the, the market's expecting that. So if we don't rock the boat, I think there's a chance for the market to at least regain its footing and maybe regain some, some stronger breath across companies that, that are reflecting and priced for the worst. Yeah. Um, Matt, what about, you know, a rally to the end of the year? Karen and I were just speaking about that with some still having doubts that that could possibly happen. You even meant to have a Santa rally even late on in the year. Does that really happen this time around? November seen as a much stronger month, a month than the previous three. And at the same time, does the two year test 6% next year, considering that rates will remain higher, perhaps things will begin to break as well in the economy? Yeah, I'm a little bit more optimistic with respect to where the economy is. I think we have just failed to recognize just the, the full impact of zero interest rate policy and the expansion of a Federal Reserve balance sheet that's usually a couple of percent of GDP that topped at 40% of GDP during the cycle. So I think that's why a lot of our traditional economic expectations haven't played out. It's not to say we're not going to see a recession, but, but as, as an asset allocator and someone who, who looks for opportunities in the market. I think right now is a really compelling time, Arabile, to, to be looking for a lot of high quality companies that just have been thrown out with the bathwater. You know, the market itself 
isn't really pricing in earnings growth next year. Even though bottom-up estimates are looking for 12% or so for 2024, you know, if you put an 18 times multiple on the S&P 500 right now, we're, we're barely pricing in earnings growth. So I think there's a very compelling reason for the market to move higher into the end of the year if you expect that you know this more benign economic backdrop can hold on for a little bit longer. And, and there's a lot of companies that, that are going to be able to increase their earnings going forward across every sector in the overall market that, that are priced for earnings contraction at this point, which I, I just don't see playing out. So again, for, for those investors that are willing to be selective, you know, I, I've been saying, get your shopping list ready. Maybe this is not the time to, to be loading up and going in, but I would start to, to be nibbling at some higher quality parts of the market. You know, industrials, energy, healthcare are three of my top favorite sectors right now in the US because you're seeing stronger earnings momentum. And, and, and you've seen a lot of price depreciation over the past um, month or so in energy over the past couple of weeks. So I think for those who are opportunistic, this is a good time to be looking. Well, Matt, thanks for helping us out with the shopping list. Uh, very much enjoyed the commentary. Matt Autumn with us, Chief Market Strategist, Raymond James Investment Management. And after a volatile October, markets are now turning over a new leaf. Find out why the setup for November is looking much better on CNBC Pro. Now, still ahead on the show, more headwinds for Beijing. That's after factory activity unexpectedly dips in October. We'll have the latest live from Singapore. Plus, CNBC catches up with the Google DeepMind CEO ahead of a landmark AI summit in the UK today. We'll bring you snippets of that interview. And European earnings season rumbles on with Swedish construction company Skanska reporting third quarter numbers. That's happening shortly. We'll break them and hear from the group CEO with a first on CNBC at 7.30 CET. Ambition to me is about doing better. I think ambition creates a pathway. The best advice I can give someone starting off a career is don't have a career, have lots of careers, try loads of different things. Talk to people and put your ambition out there. I don't feel that I've hit peak ambition because it's a learning journey. CNBC is where ambition meets opportunity. What does living ambitiously mean to you? Hear from our CNBC anchors, reporters and global business leaders on CNBC.com. Yeah, fairly a little bit mixed, but this is the Asian picture thus far. The Hang Seng really looking to be negative territory for now. A big gain for the Nikkei out in Japan, and that's because we're actually following that market significantly. It does come after the Bank of Japan announced an unscheduled bond purchase operation. That happened today, of course. Let's remember that yesterday they expanded uh, their bond yield restrictions. Then on that one, um, it, it does try. Then they're hoping to curb the pace of gains in their sovereign yields. Of course, yesterday, tweaking that policy. So it is going to be a keen focus to really look at the Nikkei and see what it does then across today. More than 2% uh, gained thus far. Is this them unraveling and trying to undo, of course, that monetary stimulus that is in the market uh, at this point? The Shanghai composite only a quarter of a percent to the good. While Australia's market is also uh, a little bit high. We'll, of course, focus on China's factory activity as well, uh, which is going to be quite interesting to really look at, aren't we, Karen? 
Aaron Bilay, let's take a look at some data out of China. The Chinese manufacturing activity slipped into contraction last month, according to the private Kaizhen survey, mirroring Tuesday's official data. PMI fell to 49.5 in October from 50.6 in September, the first contraction since July and well shy of analysts' forecasts. Let's get to Lin Lin, who joins us now from Singapore. Lin Lin, there was a view in the marketplace from commentators that, look, the message has been so managed now by these Chinese banks that the data is just disappointing because they've had to be too optimistic because they've been lent on by the state. Yeah, good morning to you, uh, Karen, in London. As you said there, 49.5 for the Taixing uh, Index uh, today and falling below that 50 line into contraction. Uh, now, when you look at this uh, figure, it's really focused on those smaller private sector firms. And uh, if you look at the sub-indexes, we saw the biggest falls when it comes uh, to uh, employment as well as in terms of output. Uh, now, uh, the, it's very much in line with that official gauge we saw yesterday, uh, a note from Goldman saying that they believe it's really a sign of a weak market demand, uh, as well as perhaps that golden week, those eight days at the beginning of October also having an impact as well. Uh, now, uh, in terms of the mainland markets, it's pretty flat today. The CSI 300, uh, that uh, fell on uh, the report of the this news, uh, but it's uh, currently, uh, I think, up as up to uh, flat to the upside uh, at uh, uh, currently at three five seven nine. Now, in terms of that demand weakness, we were just talking about, uh, and also uh, the uh, issues we've had with the big debt in the property sector, as well as in terms of the. Uh, local government level, we saw those issues also being discussed at the uh, uh, financial work conference in Beijing, which wrapped up yesterday. Now, this is a really, really closely watched conference that happens behind closed doors. So a lot of the lines we got out of it is from state media. But a couple of things worth noting. First of all, a real emphasis on regulation of the financial sector. And uh, that was something we saw after the 2017 conference and there was a crackdown there. So questions around whether that will happen there. And also you're really seeing an emphasis in terms of more party control of the financial sector as well playing out. Not surprising given the regulatory uh, changes we've seen, Karen, earlier this year. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market moving news, you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with me, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.